0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: The time has come. I like that. The time is now. For Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host
0: Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shwetty Balls. She's
1: Victoria Stilwell and she's ready to go. This
0: is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy, bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast.
1: Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. We're back again. Can you believe it? I'm so excited <laughs> because... I remember last year at the beginning of last year we were gonna do more podcasts. Oh that's right. But you were travelling, I was travelling and just didn't couldn't get together.
0: We didn't do any last year.
1: No, hardly any. I think maybe one or two.
0: It's surprising. See we're still good friends. We still hang out. We still do. I know. Do these. <laughs> I know,
1: but anyway we're doing these because lots of people have been asking about them. Mm-hmm. And um so I thought, well we're gonna bring podcasts back.
0: I like it. Bring in podcasts back.
1: So how have you been? Awesome. As well, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and you? Yeah, everywhere. But tell us a little bit about your year, your 2019.
0: 2019 was definitely better than 2018, as you know. Um, and for those who don't know, my husband was in the hospital for a long time in 2018, but he's out. He's better now. Um, and so 2019 was a year without much medical stuff. We had it in the beginning of the year, but... Um I did do some traveling I went to Alaska and did a glacier hike. I went to Africa again on vacation to South Africa on safari which, you know, I could live there. I was thinking how do I, how can I be a safari guide? But here's the thing. As we're driving in these jeeps and like our guide who was amazing, her name was Louise, she was South African native. She would go, "Oh, look at that bird." And I'm like, "What bird? Like way in the distance?" Or she'd be like, "Oh, you see the group of elephants?" And I'm like, "What is she looking at? I have terrible eyesight, so I could not be a guide is what I learned.
1: no, or or if you're directionally challenged like I am, oh, yeah, <laughs> then you're telling it it's on your right when it actually everything is on your left. I did I was a tour guide in London. no way. Right? So yeah, during our, between university and when I kind of was deciding my career. I did tour guiding and I learned of the big bus company, right? So when we took tours, and of course I passed all my, my guide exams. And then when we took tours, I would say on the right. And of course then I'd be looking to the left. <laughs> I mean, but then it's even harder because then you've got people, you're, you're facing people, right? right. So it's on their left and your right and whatever it was. So that really, that <laughs> challenged me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I didn't stay a London guide for long. But still love it. still yeah. love the history of London. Yeah. So if anybody's in London, and I'm in London, and if you want a guided walk uh, in the places where tourists don't normally go, maybe I will take you on one.
0: I love it. I love it. I want it. I'm in. Um, anyway, so just a lot of nice traveling, a lot of time spent with friends. I didn't travel as much this past year, which has been great because I've had a chance to sort of reconnect with friends. I realize I'm on the road a lot. Um, even though I do love traveling, and then there were times where I was like, oh, dear Lord, this is how people don't stay married because they stay together 24-7, so it's nice to get away, but um it was good, it was good. How about you? You did a ton
1: of traveling. I did a ton of traveling. I did some really great seminars, great conferences, and don't forget, people, if you are in the UK or you can get to the UK, May 9th and 10th, we have the National Dog Behavior Conference. We have some amazing speakers, one of whom we're going to talk about today, and because um, she's doing incredible new studies, Um she'll be talking, but we have great speakers. So if you can come, you can go to Positively.com forward slash DBC. We'll have a link up on the podcast website and you will be able to see it there and get your tickets. Where be you- there or be square. In London? It's in Coventry. Where's Coventry? Coventry is kind of middle England. Well, it's near Birmingham. Okay. Right. So it's yes. So it's kind of more towards the middle of the UK. Because well, here's me thinking, London. hmm,
0: maybe I should go and then create vacation around that time and then you can give me a tour of London.
1: Um, hey, okay. <laughs> I'm there, I'm there. Yeah, Um, so if you want to come, but we've got great speakers. We've got Sarah Heath, who is going to be talking about arousal in dogs. And of course, we have many, many dogs. What does that, that mean? Well, a lot of people call it reactivity. Oh, like my dog Barnsley. Yes, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we're talking about arousal, what that means, what it is. And if your dog is, I'll put this like in quotes, reactive, mm-hmm. how you deal with that. Um, I'm going to be talking well, I've got something very exciting, which I might talk about on a later past, uh, uh podcast, but it is protocols to, for dogs to be able to deal with overwhelming mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. So some a dog like Barnsley, but any dog really, it doesn't have to be a dog that's got any anxiety issues or fearful issues because all of, All of our dogs will be challenged at some point, regardless of how resilient or confident they are. So I'll be talking about that. Then we have Sarah Fisher, who it's just, I mean, every single time she speaks, it just blows my mind. So she's going to be talking about free work. Well, she is a a trainer and she used to be a T-Touch practitioner, but now she has something called ACE, which is a lot of, they call free work. And she deals a lot with dogs that have issues and free work is basically, and I'd like her to talk more about it, but if you come to the conference, you'll hear more about it. But it truly, it it leaves the dog a lot more choice to the dog. And you know that I'm all about choice right now, um, teaching dogs, but it really gives dogs a lot of different choices. So I really love what she does. You've got to come and and hear that and then we've got holly root gutteridge and she is uh, has done a really interesting study at Sussex universities about do dogs understand our vocalizations
0: oh i think they do they well you mean like absolutely like like actual words and or emotions behind it actual words right so okay Oh, of course they do because i can tell you this my dogs at night when sean and i are sitting like in the tv room or whatever and they have to go outside to pee, they look at us and I'll say, do you have to go out? And then they run to the back door. They know what I'm saying. Sometimes they'll say, are you hungry? And they won't run to the back door. And then it got to the point where we were both lazy. And I was like, hey, can you let the dogs out? They would run to the back door. So someone had to get up. So we started to spell it. Hey, somebody, can you let them O-U-T? And then about I don't know, a couple months later, I said to Sean, can you let him O-U-T? And they go running to the back door. I'm like, great, now our dogs
1: spell. Now they spell. But they
0: figure it out. Don't they relate, like, the words
1: to yeah. the actions? Well, the dogs were recorded either hearing different speakers saying the same word or the same speaker saying different words. And these are speakers that, or people that the dogs don't know, mm-hmm. right? So according to the study's findings, the dogs were able to recognize the same word when spoken by different people. And we're also able to distinguish between different people by the sound of their voice.
0: So what about like, so I know Barnsley, if you say walk to Barnsley, right, his head pops up and he gets excited and goes to the door. Right. But I say, hey, you want to go for a walk? And he knows it. But if somebody says it in a sentence like, hey, I think I'm going to take the dog for a walk in a minute. I have to watch. I don't know if he reacts
1: to it, if you're saying it differently or if I'm not talking right to him. Well, some of the studies, as I understand it, and Holly will speak much more about it, but it's the beginning of the words that they recognize. So it's the what that they recognize. But also because you humans are very habitual, right? We say the same thing. So you want to go for a walk and it's that whole sentence with the way you see it, it goes up at the with the way you say it, it goes up at the end. With your tone, with your intonation, um, and that's what they're listening to, right? But can they actually understand different words? So it's all about phenomes. I call them phenomes, but pho, fo- pho, fo- phonemes. Yeah. I don't know how Basically to pronounce it. I'm yeah, really yeah. sorry. Holly will tell us. But yes, the, um, it's the ability to recognize words is the same when spoken by different people is critical to speech, she says. And, um, The research shows that despite previous assumptions, the spontaneous ability is not uniquely human and dogs share this linguistic talent.
0: Do you remember um, not too long ago, we actually aired it on HLN um, all over the place. I think even CNN, there was a dog, a woman trained her dog. She's a speech therapist and she trained her dog to speak in that with, she did it with children and people who couldn't communicate. She had like a board where she would push certain um, things that would sh- have the words to it, right? And it would be like a computer that had words. And that's what she gave to people who couldn't communicate so that they could tell you a sentence by pushing, I am hungry, like they would push that. Her dog learned how to do it. She was able to train. But the thing is, the dog comprehended what it was saying. There was probably 24 different you know, rows and rows of different words and, and things that it would speak, and it hit the right ones in the right sentence to make a complete thought. Like that, to me, blows my mind. Like that dog understood the meaning behind it, not just the sounds.
1: And I think our dogs are sitting there going, God, it's taking you people a <laughs> long time, a really long time to figure us out because dogs are just dogs. Right. They've been dogs and um, they've always been there. And yeah. it's just taking us, oh my God, we've just discovered this. Well, yeah. And there's a lot of people out there. I mean, I, I, I saw the pictures. I read the article about what this woman is doing and it's fantastic. There's many people out there, um, that have different kinds of buttons for their dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go for a walk or oh. I, yeah, or I'll, I want to eat something or do you want to go uh, out? Do you have a yes or no button or we, we do it on our hands. Like the right hand is a yes and the, the left hand is a no. Do you want to go for a walk? Yes or no? And the dog will nose the either the right hand if it wants to go for a walk or the left hand if it doesn't want to go for a walk. Oh. So it's a way of communication. And, and that's this is where dog training is going. Mm-hmm. But it's still there's many people that are still stuck yeah. in the old traditional yeah. style of training. And when or I think, thinking
0: that a dog is just an animal and it doesn't have the higher capacity that we know it does they don't treat it like that they treat it as a like where people you know i know a lot of people have dogs for different reasons but i just people who have families who live in a suburb not a working farm or anything like that and their dog lives outside i'm like why do you even have a dog like it doesn't it's part of the family or not i mean that's just me i get it on a farm a working farm if you've got shelter for it but some people are like oh yeah my dog lives outside i'm like well why even have it
1: yeah uh you know, our whole idea of dog ownership in the West, you know, we have dogs in our homes, which is seems crazy to people who live in different countries right. and go, oh my God, I mean, these dogs either are seen as vermin or they're definitely outside dogs. They, they're not in the home. They're too dirty. Right. So it depends on what country you live in. But, you know, we're talking about America here. We live in America. I mean, I, 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 I travel around the world and I speak around the world. And of course, I do a lot of work in England, too. And so I I've educated myself on all kinds of styles of training, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, some of my education has been about e collars. I've seen people in both the companion and the working dog world use e collars for training dogs. What do you mean, like e collar? What's shock collars? Oh, okay. Okay, so electronic shock collar industry or the trainers who use shock collars don't like to use the word shock they like to use the word mostly e-collars it doesn't change what it is it doesn't change what it is but they will argue vehemently about the way that they train and just as you know they are just as passionate about the way they train dogs as we positive trainers are about the way we train dogs Mm -hmm. so just before christmas um, Tracy Hotchner, who is the radio pet lady, uh, do check her out because she does have a really great podcast. She has a great radio show and you can find her on NPR. And I've been on her show many times. She had uh, done this interview and um with a, quite a controversial title, it was e-collars can be part of uh, positive dog training relationships. Right. And I didn't know that Tracy Hotchner had been taught by trainers on how to use the e-collar and uses e-collars on her dogs um as well. And I hadn't realized this until this came out and um found out she'd been trained by a trainer called Amy Sadler who uses e-collars and now why Amy Sadler came up was that she has this program called Dogs Playing for Life. And uh, what it is is that dogs in shelters they spend all their time in kennel runs. Mm-hmm. And so dogs playing for life, as I understand it is, and I've, and I've seen it being done, but I, I don't want to misspeak, but it gives dogs, it pairs dogs up or groups dogs up and gives them a chance to get out and play and interact with each other and play with each other. And it is literally life saving mm-hmm. because these dogs get the chance to get out of their kennel runs and to play. And there is no better. Exercise and play and there's no better way to understand social interaction than for dogs to play with each other. So the program is great and shelters all around the country adopt this program. There's the, um, there's a national canine center down in Florida that shelters will also send their difficult dogs to and it's run by Amy Sadler and her team. And at this, center in florida they use e-collars as part of their training so tracy was talking about and doing an interview with amy about some controversy that had been with best friends amy sadler used to do a lot of seminars for best friends and without getting into too much detail there was a split between them because people were angry that best friends might be considering sending some of their difficult dogs down to this center in Florida for Amy's team to train, but they would train and use Mm e-collars. So people who are positive or a lot of fundraisers were very angry at best friends for even considering doing this. Mm -hmm. And so relationships broke down and there was a whole hoo-ha. So Tracy was talking about that problem, but throughout The interview with Amy, she was talking at stalling the virtues of e-collars. And first of all, I didn't like the words Tracy was using to describe dog owners. And quite honestly, even though she said she wasn't about dog trainers and I didn't like and then then I was sort of blown away by the misunderstanding there seemed to be about what positive trainers do and that. Is it right that if you've got a difficult dog, the only way to turn it around or rehabilitate it is to put an e collar on it? That seemed to be the argument. I've heard in years and years and years of standing and waving that positive flag, I've had s- so many people from the other side not be so kind towards me and my message but also Mm -hmm. to put it lightly to put it lightly but to say positive training works on the small fluffy dogs and your puppies but victoria still can you train a big dog with you know, tough problems or a red zone dog or try this on a police dog? I can personally say yes.
0: I'm proof positive. Uh You know what I mean? I have a 75 of 1.78 pound black and tan coon hound who is highly, if you say reactive, but emotionally unstable, who was on Prozac or fluoxetine Mm -hmm. and would not only first started chasing cars, as you know, and barking at cars and lunging. And then it started at, Bicycles and scooters and then it happened to other dogs and people and I would take him for a walk in my neighborhood And he would bark and lunge at people and other dogs Now you taught me how to handle that and I say to him. Hey, you know Just FYI like people would come by with their dog. He's not real good with other dogs or people So, you know, I have another dog who I'd love to you know Have you guys interact with but not this one and everyone respected wishes Mm -hmm. even people coming to my house it was scary because I don't want someone coming to my house and getting bitten. And with positive reinforcement, you got him to the point where not only is he fine with other people and he welcomes people into our house, but also in those, you were talking earlier, the stressful situations. Like if we have more than a couple people over, it's too much for him. He's just very, you know, we call him extra. But <laughs> he is extra. Right. But he now knows to dismiss himself and go upstairs and he goes and lays down in my closet until the noise and the activity dies down. And then he comes down and everybody's happy. And there was never an e-collar, never anything negative. He was all positively trained. Although I will tell you this, that uh, Sean and I thought about when we first got him, I had never had a puppy before. And I sent him to a place. Everyone told us, oh, it's a great place for two weeks to do training, not knowing anything. And everyone's like, oh, it's great. So we did it because I had friends who had great re- results, not knowing it was dominance training. Mm-hmm. I am not convinced that that's not what created this problem to begin with. Like when you have a child and the way you treat a child, behavioral issues come out later. So I I take blame and think that may be part of it. And part of it may be his chemistry, but part of it may be that learned behavior that was set in, you know, when he was 11, 12,
1: 13 weeks old. You know, our, our dogs, we need to, my, my whole argument for not, using e-collars while the e-collar trainers will say we don't just use them for correction we use them for negative reinforcement right and what they mean by that is they put pressure 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 when the dog performs what they want the dog to perform they take the pressure off so for example let's say you wanted to get your dog to sit right so um on a low setting they stim 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 the dog so as we'd say shock 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 but they say tap 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 the dog and then when the dog sits the tapping stops do you see what i mean so 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 that's negative reinforcement you apply the pressure dog does what you want it to do and then you take the pressure off and that's sort of the way of teaching dogs to sit and lie down and and they mostly do it for uh, recall it's sort of the extendable arm you know you can get your dog if your dog is running full pelt you can hey i'm here and then they do deliver the shock, and then the dog goes oh, up. Um, or they so they don't like calling it a shock; they call it a stim, a tap. But here, here's my point about doesn't
0: this. Doesn't that dog live in fear its whole life of well, something negative's going to happen at any one time? Because they don't yeah, can't put it
1: together all the time. Sometimes, look. So this I think obviously requires a much larger conversation. Yeah. Um First of all, I understand, and this might be a little controversial myself. I understand why people use them mm-hmm. because they they work right and they work and they can suppress behavior and so it looks like the dog's got a behavior change if it's used for correction and um yep a dog will perform the behavior to avoid the dog will practice avoidance and perform the behavior and will do it to get that pressure that stem to stop so you can train a dog like that but why would you want to When there are so many other ways to train dogs, so many other effective, really quick ways. And when you're talking about using it on these dogs, right? So the last chance dogs. So this whole thing with um, Amy Sadler, the founder of Dogs Playing for Life, director of the Canine Center of Florida, when she talks about the many training techniques that come into play when trying to save and rehabilitate last chance dogs at risk of euthanasia. She was talking about how misconceptions and pushback about remote trainers, e collars has caused Best Friends Animal Sanctuary to choose not to send the most challenging dogs to her training center because of her use of e-collars. They're saying, the e-collar trainers are saying, that's ridiculous, you're saving dogs' lives. The positive trainers and other people are saying, why, Best Friends, are you sending, were you going to send your dogs, to this woman who uses e-collars.
0: Does Best Friends or does anybody say, like, oh, look, we've tried every single thing, and this is the very last of the oh, list yes, before you finish.
1: Best friends Animal Sanctuary is exactly that. A sanctuary where the most difficult dogs that can't go anywhere else go. The Michael Vick dogs go there. A lot of dog fighting dogs, a lot of cruelty cases, a lot, a lot of very compromised dogs. This is seen as a last ditch attempt, a last resort to saving these dogs' lives. So You can understand why people do it and why people want to give those dogs a chance. The the whole misconception here is that the e-collars are the saving grace. And let me just talk very quickly about correction. When your dog is doing a behavior you don't like and you correct it with an e-collar and the behavior stops, what you're doing is suppressing behavior. Mm -hmm. You're not changing it because they don't understand why they just want that pain to stop because if that dog is in the same situation again without the collar on what's going to happen chances are the dog is going to perform the behavior again because they're not getting that negative right and if the collar doesn't work and if so the other way is that if E e collars are designed when used properly because that's another thing they say when used properly, they, sh- they don't cause pain. But actually, they're designed when used properly to cause pain. And they have a dial. So you can maybe use, give a correction on one or two, and that correction doesn't work. So then you turn it up to three or four, and that correction is not working. So then you turn it up to five and six, and then maybe the dog's reacting. Well, now all of a sudden, you've gone from one, and now we're on for something that feels like weird, like a little, little mosquito mm-hmm. bite, to now something that's hurting. Their argument is that these e-collars, or Tracy's argument is that e- these e-collars should only be used by trainers that know what they're doing with them. But we're talking about an industry that is hun- that is tens of millions of dollars every year. These companies that sell these shock collars, pet stores that sell co- uh, shock collars, are making tens of millions of dollars. One major, major pet store, uh, the last figure that I heard, and this was about five years ago, was $60 million selling e-collars alone. Do you think, where do you think those e-collars are going to? Trainers or the general public? public. If you set yourself up as an e-collar trainer and you say that these things are okay, but you say general public shouldn't use them, you need to lead by example, because if you're using them, the general public are going to use them. So... Stop using them, and then the general public's going to stop using them and find something else well, that is just as effective. It doesn't make any sense is that if when
0: they train him with that and then the dog goes to someone's home and they're not using it, the behavior is going to be completely different because that collar is not there and that it correction could. is not there.
1: It could. I mean, hopefully they do their due diligence and work the dog out of the collar before they send it to the home.
0: Do they, have but- they done any studies about following these dogs to see whether there's other kinds of behaviors, like a dog that was trained with positive reinforcement yes. and then a dog that's trained with e-collars. And then later on their behavior, the dogs had the same kind of problem. So say they were both reactive or both aggressive dogs, right? And then you train them two different ways. Do so they go back and say, well, this dog who was trained with the e-collar has this, this, and this, and right. this dog without,
1: Dozen there needs or- to be. a I know that there is a study happening now. Mm-hmm. I know that there is large data gathering happening now here so in the U.S. Here in the U.S., yes. And it's going to be very exciting because I think it's going to show, you know, those results. But there have been a lot of studies done by um, various uh, animal science universities around the world right. that have done Some not so great studies and some really good studies. There's one really good study that was done by Daniel Mills at the University of, um, Lincoln in the UK. And it was a very, very good study and it had, it, it studied the effect of dogs that were trained with shock collars, um, against dogs that were not trained with shock collars and, um, the trainers that they used were industry standard shock collar trainers. So they were those quote trainers that were using them quote properly, Mm -hmm. right? And they saw in this study where with a different kind of training that the dogs were trained using e-collars had high levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone in their blood and that they were exhibiting more stress related behaviors while being trained with the e-collars. So. Now, dogs can exhibit stress behaviors when they're being trained in positive uh, humane training as well. But there was more when with the e collar So my whole thing is, if you are not going to recommend these collars for the general public to buy, why, if you are a leader, why are you using them yourself? Because if you're if you're saying the general public shouldn't use them, because
0: they're not good,
1: you're setting yourself up for an example. What do you think shelters are going to do? They're going to see your program and they're going to go, "Yep, we're going to put those on up," and they they are going to be abusing their dogs because they're going to s- s- put it up to ten. And and Cause they don't know this they is again them. again aren't, it's a very long conversation. But aren't there countries that have banned them? Yes. many So have why? Banned. I mean, so well, if they, the UK is in the process of banning them. Places like Germany and Italy, um, Finland, Denmark, Sweden, they've banned them because, and they banned them both for working dogs and for, for companion dogs because the ability to cause pain and anxiety and stress and fear and exacerbate all of that is uh, the, the, the studies have shown that there is an increased likelihood of causing that. And so, and that it that it is has been an ethical and a moral decision, but also we want emotionally stable dogs and you've got people shocking them like that. You're not going to have emotionally stable dogs, both in the working dog industry. And remember, I work in both industries and have seen shock collars used by all kinds of trainers in both industries. And I don't need studies to show me what my eyes see Myself when I see dogs train like that with the stress-related behaviors, and here's the thing: positive trainers work every day with really tough cases, and they save dogs' lives every day with really tough cases. So for the other side to say, "Well, you're we're the only the ones that can save," is totally false.
0: The two things come to my mind. One, it seems like yeah, it's a lot more difficult to do it positively, and so. Well, when you have another option that's easy because it's inflicting pain, well, let's just do that. But two, these countries that have banned shock collars, are they seeing some kind of outbreak of bad no. behavior or anything? Is no. anything changing? No, Is it still the same results? Because now they're using positive, but they're still ending up with the same results of being able to save some very you know extreme dogs life. yes
1: i mean yeah, there's so that should be there doesn't seem right to be there. more uh more dogs that are getting euthanized, euthanized um than normal uh yes but the, the whole idea of positive training takes longer it truly does not yeah. and um it doesn't a positive training i can teach a dog to sit stay and come when called in a day i mean it's really oh, no, no. easy to do that i but... will say this you
0: taught my dog to leave it in 10 minutes
1: yes for the so, record so that's easy but we must never ever, and and I feel like this dog this does dogs real injustice by saying if you've got a dog that is reactive like Barnsley, or you got a dog that is that is anxious or fearful in some way, or you know looks like it's being dominant or whatever those words are, and you shock it, then you have just made that behaviour a lot worse, and you may have created more. You've behavior. created more, and more and and that's my thing. It's just unsafe, and and part of a trainer's job is to teach humans how to teach their dogs and also we must stand up for public health and safety and there are some dogs that are that 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 are beyond repair mm-hmm. and like so humans. it is it is our duty as and and people who are dedicated their lives to doing this sometimes they have to make difficult decisions and they shouldn't be ripped over the coals because they've said yes this dog is a liability it's a danger to society there is no wonderful, beautiful sanctuary to take this dog. So a decision has to be made. Right. So we have a duty to to do that. Dogs have an emotional life. If you are stressed out, you're fearful, you're anxious. You go to a therapist, don't you? Mm-hmm. But are you going to be cured in in an hour? Or you live a life that's really uncomfortable. And, you know, if you don't get help, you, you suffer. Right. So I'm just saying. Just one shock is not going to fix a dog that has a lot of problems, right? Don't do them a disservice. Your dog has a rich and emotional life. If your dog has a problem, it's going to take a little longer than just one shock to change your dog's mind. And that's what positive trainers do. That was kind of intense for the first. I know. I was like, welcome back. Starting 2020, like, (laughs) at at it. Yeah. Anyway, if you're interested, I would go to radiopetlady.com to um, listen to, because apart from that, she has really, really great guests on. And I have to say again, I think Amy Sad is doing amazing work with dogs. Really? I just. Well, the fact that somebody,
0: doesn't... the fact that somebody says, I'm going to dedicate my life to trying to save a dog's life. Yes, that's in a really bad place. It's like a therapist going into maybe the prison system or somewhere and saying these yep. people have emotions and stuff. But um, on the she flip does. side, though, something in not to take too much of a left turn. But, you know, if you train a puppy early, right, you can sort of try and prevent some of those bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like I think about Barnsley and I send him away, whatever. But if if that does have something to do with it, if I had done it the right way and you did something in 2019, you wrote a book.
1: I did. It's I called did. The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Puppy. And it is, you know, prevention is better than right. cure, right. isn't it? But it's like
0: if you don't eat too many sweets, you won't be a type two diabetic. So why not curb your that diet? It now before later, and so that might help too. Like, I think about that.
1: That's one of the reasons why I wrote this book, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's available here in the US, but it's also going to be available in the UK next year. Well, awesome. no, this year it's 2020. 2020.
0: It's 2020. Okay, oh so gosh. going to a little bit like so, what's on tap this year for you? Uh, 2020, here we are in well, January. Well, um, again,
1: the exciting thing is our academy. And so if you are interested in becoming a dog trainer, please go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com and you can find out more information about the incredible dog trainer course that we have. The, uh, it, you can, you can start right now, but if you want the in-person track, so it's one course, it is a six month um, online course, but you do, you can have up to a year to complete it. Um, but as part of that, we also offer an, an addition, if people want that, and it's the in-person track where if you live in England, you come twice to a facility we have in England where uh, you learn with myself and other faculty. If you live in the, U- in the United States or in other parts of the world, you want to come here. We have two sessions in Atlanta where you come and learn with me and other faculty. So uh, everybody does the online portion of it, which is cyber classes and webinars and online. but um, If you do the in-person track, you get the additional mentors and things like that. It's very cool. It's a really amazing course. And so if you want to find out information about it, you can go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com. And Our dates are open for the in-person track.
0: I know. I visited one because we did a story on you as a top performer, and we went to one of the classes. Remember that? Yes. And, and it was fun. And all I kept thinking is, do you need a volunteer who doesn't really know much about dogs to show the wrong way, and then yeah. you can correct my behavior? Um, but uh, yeah, you, it's very cool. You're
1: doing amazingly well. But um, well, I think we've come uh, we've come to the end of this podcast, and we don't worry because we're coming back. Yeah. We're coming back. I and mean, there's a lot more to talk about. <laughs> A lot more to talk about.
0: Apparently we're taking 2020 by the horns. We're yeah. not like no prisoners. Oh, we are. <laughs> but
1: I'd love to hear people, uh, people's, you know, reactions. You know? But keep it, be nice. You know, I'm all for discussion. Yeah. But if somebody is, uh, l- cruel to me (laughs) if somebody swears at me or what you know well here's the thing and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take that that's that's not fair and here's something that if you want to just discuss and debate I'll do that all day
0: here's one of the things that you said that was really interesting you said I understand where some people are coming from and that's it right like we all aren't agree we don't you know like my favorite color is purple and yours is not and I'm not going to convince you that purple should be your favorite color but you're going to understand why I like purple and I'm going to understand so the whole idea is even like in in politics or in personal situations, you you can respect the other person, understand why they think, why they do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to try and change them, um, you know, unless you feel like it's something that's hurting them or harming them. But I, to just be able to say, I, I can see from your perspective why you feel that way, I think we would have a lot more productive discussions rather than, no, your way's the wrong way. Because guess what? I've had many discussions with people who I think – Well, I think this and they think that clearly. And then when they tell me and I listen to why I can understand why. Now, it may not change my mind, but sometimes I go, you know what? They have a really good point. I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. But if I couldn't listen and understand why you think that, then I would never see your point of view. And you just shut people out. And I think that 2020, we should do a lot more of that. And I think it'll make it easier to have these harder discussions about positive training, dominant training, you know, think different things like that, because everybody has their own beliefs. You can't invalidate somebody's feelings. You can invalidate facts, but not their feelings. And if it comes from a place of honesty and sincerity, you can understand why they come to that.
1: hundred percent. So
0: let's just be kind. Kindness is powerful, says one of my really, really bestest friends. And I think that's the greatest thing ever. And by the way, it's her. It's you. Kindness is powerful. I use it all the time. When people say what's your quote, your favorite quote? I'm like, it came from Victoria Stilwell. But it is true, you know, and my grandmother, who'll be 98 in a couple months, I'll never forget, I had one of your shirts, Victoria Stilwell shirts, that says kindness is powerful. And I wore it one day when we were going out, I went to visit her in Florida. And she stopped me. And sometimes my grandma now, you know, her mind isn't always there. And you know, she kind of repeats herself. But she looked at me and she said, that is the most incredible shirt. She goes, never forget that. And that stuck to me. The fact that, wow. Somebody who's lived through 140 presidents, it seems, and you know, all these. She was born in 1922, right? Wow. So the fact that she said that's the most profound thing that anybody, kindness is powerful. I think, you know, and that's what we should do 2020. Kindness is powerful.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell, or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.